Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it is September 25th, 2015. That means there's only three months left till Christmas, people. We're back with another episode, and this time we are going to compare and contrast real Christmas trees with artificial Christmas trees in a segment that I totally did not steal from The Daily Show, except that I totally did. We're also going to find a place online where you can connect with fellow Christmas fans just like you. And we're going to look at the best Christmas episodes from our favorite television series. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the third episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. We now have one episode for every wise man. I'm Tim Babb, your jolly host. Happy you've decided to join us once again to let your Christmas freak flag fly any day of the year. Want to give a special shout out to any Mousetalgia listeners who've joined us after the Mousetalgia crew were nice enough to mention us on their podcast. In fact, you may notice the music underneath my voice is different from the last episode. That is Kristen, who was gracious enough to do my intro and outro music. So a big thank you to Kristen from Mousetalgia. But we've got to get on to the business of Christmas and a segment that's going to get really easy in the next month. We need a little Christmas now. Need a month, I've got a way for you to not only bring a little Christmas cheer into your life all year long, but you can connect with other people who love Christmas too. It's the Merry Forums at MyMerryChristmas.com. And I promise you, this isn't a shill. They are not paying me for this. In fact, the only reason I know about it is because I joined a little while ago. There's tons of topics going on there all the time, and the community is really nice and surprisingly active for August when I joined. I can only imagine how much more active it'll get as Christmas gets closer, but MyMerryChristmas.com is more than actually just the forums. It's news and opinions about Christmas all year long. They've got two streaming radio stations for your Christmas music needs any time of the year. They've also got their own podcast. So if my slice of fruitcake once a month isn't enough Christmassy podcast goodness for you, you can enjoy their monthly Christmas podcast as well. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Yeah, go ahead and listen to their podcast. Yeah, I won't feel like you're cheating on me. It's okay. No. It's great. Keep it together, Bab. Keep it together. Well, that actually ended up sounding much more like a commercial than I thought it would, but rest assured, it wasn't. Because if it was, I'm sure the gang at My Merry Christmas would have given me some actual coherent talking points. But if I pique your interest, I put a link to the My Merry Christmas forums in the show notes for this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now it's time we move on to my countdown of five Christmassy things, which I like to call five golden things. Uh, but I can't find the jingle for it. Hmm, I must have deleted it. Oh, I have an idea. Hey, Kristen, could you help us out again? Ah, you're the best. This round of five golden things is courtesy of the wonderful world of television. We're going to look back at Christmas episodes. Now, by this, I mean an episode of a series that centers on or at least significantly involves Christmas. 
the episode, not the series. So it can't be a one-off like Rudolph or Charlie Brown Christmas. Besides, if you want to hear about Charlie Brown Christmas, you can certainly get a stocking full during our first episode. Now, I didn't limit this to sitcom or drama, live action or animated, so it's a pretty wide range. However, I did limit it to one Christmas episode per series. Also, all episode synopsises, synopses, the plural of synopsis, are mostly straight-up rip-offs from Wikipedia. No shame in my game, son. Let's dive on in. Number five. Death Takes a Holiday, MASH. <laughs> Christmas carols. I love them. We gotta do some of that at the party tomorrow. Way ahead of you, sir. That's why I've been writing down the words. I'm gonna make copies for everybody. It's amazing. How many of the old holiday songs I remember by heart? Three French horns, two turtlenecks, and a partridge in a pair of trees. You're right. It is amazing. MASH is probably one of the most popular television shows of all time, so it's no surprise they made a Christmas episode worthy of this list. Let's read the synopsis. The 4077th plans a Christmas party for a group of orphans. Everyone contributes generously except Winchester. They think he's a Scrooge. But is he really? If they ask you that question in the synopsis... He's probably not. In the midst of a party, a mortally wounded soldier arrives. Hawkeye, BJ, and Margaret must delay his death so his children won't have to remember Christmas as the day their daddy died. I got serious all of a sudden. Well, that's that's Smash for you. Uh, When most people think of this episode, they probably remember that part where they fight to keep the soldier alive until after Christmas. And while that is an amazing story that is executed very well by the cast, my favorite part of this episode is actually the Charles Winchester storyline. He refuses to donate to the orphans, like it says in the synopsis, and, and, you know, they're in need, and everyone hates him for it. But he secretly donates a ton of very expensive candy to the orphanage while insisting on being anonymous. That's pretty awesome. He's like Scrooge meets Batman. Sometimes a hero can be something as simple as giving candy to an orphanage to make sure they have some sweets on Christmas. (coughs) Need a lozenge. But his story arc isn't over. At the party, he discovers that the head of the orphanage didn't give the candy to the children. Instead, he sold it on the black market. Furious, Charles confronts the head of the orphanage, who tells him that he sold the candy, which would have made his kids happy for one night, to buy food, which will keep them fed for a month. I like this because even though Charles is doing a selfless act, he's still able to learn a lesson about helping and giving. It's best summed up when he realizes how foolish he was to be angry when he says, it is sadly inappropriate to give dessert to a child who has had no meal. Deep, man. It's deep. Number four. You'll better watch out. Home improvement. Now be careful with this, Tim. I will. Thank you, Lisa. This is a completely frayed wire. And you never want to plug in a frayed wire. Al, do you suppose they call it afraid because it's scared of something? I really doubt it, Tim. Oh, I do too, Al. <laughs> well, Al will now show us how to safely tape up that wire. Be careful. Merry Christmas, Al. You know, there's nothing more fun in the world than sitting around a beautifully decorated Christmas tree in your home, grunting your favorite Christmas carols. <laughs> that brings one to mind. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Come on, Al, hit it. Everybody, come on. That's the spirit. This one may be a bit of a controversial pick, but hey, it's my podcast. If you disagree, this episode has got a comment section, and you are welcome to use it, and I'd love to hear from you. I've always liked Home Improvement. Not really a groundbreaking show, but a relatable one that I used to watch a lot with my dad. This was their first Christmas episode, and here's the synopsis. 
Tim has decided to beat Doc Johnson in the neighborhood Christmas decoration contest. The competition soon gets out of control. Jill is upset that Randy did not get the part of Joseph, but rather the innkeeper in the school Christmas pageant, and decides to make Randy stand out by making him an outstanding costume. Mark learns a shocking secret from his brothers. There is no Santa Claus. Actually, they tell him, Santa is dead. Bum, bum, bum. There's a lot of fun in this episode. You get to hear Tim grunt at Jingle Bells. You get to see him turn a rotating Christmas tree into a spinning disaster. And Tim's neighbor, Wilson, gives a brief background on the origins of Santa Claus. Aside from the normal Tim Allen foolishness that I like about this show, I enjoy the way they deal with Mark and his brothers and Santa Claus. You get to watch them break the news, get to see the parents try to explain it away, and finally Santa shows up to settle things once and for all. There's even some meta-enjoyment of watching Tim Allen share scenes with Santa Claus, knowing that in a few years, he'll be starring in THE Santa Claus. But as you watch the parents try to explain all the things that don't make sense about Santa, like how he fits all the gifts in the bag, how he can be at so many malls at the same time, it kind of makes me feel sad for parents who aren't geeks, because there's a very simple answer to all these questions. Santa is clearly a Time Lord. But, I'm getting ahead of myself, let's move on to... Number three! The one with the holiday armadillo friends. And the miracle was that that little bit of oil that should have lasted just one day burned for eight whole days. That's right. And that's why we celebrate Hanukkah today. The end. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part was when Superman flew all the Jews out of Egypt. <laughs> The armadillo was actually not so thrilled about that part. <laughs> okay, Ben, it's time to light the Hanukkah candles. <laughs> hey. Oh, wow. Looks like the Easter Bunny's funeral in here. I feel like it's very uncool to like the show Friends, but the great thing is I've never been cool, so I just like what I like. And Friends was a show I really liked. They had quite a few really good Christmas episodes, but the Holiday Armadillo one is the one that makes this list. Here's the synopsis. Ross wants to introduce Ben to Hanukkah. Phoebe learns that her and Rachel's apartment has been repaired. However, she then fears that Rachel would rather continue to live with Joey instead of her. To prevent this problem, she presents Joey with various gifts, a spider that scares Joey more than Rachel, and a drum kit that annoys Monica. Ross dresses up as a holiday armadillo to make Ben excited about Hanukkah. I'm kind of glad that synopsis is so vague so I can flesh out the parts that I love about this episode. The Rachel, Joey, Phoebe, B story is fine, but that's not what I like about this episode. I love the arc about Ross trying to teach his kid about Hanukkah. It's, it's like a nice social commentary on how Christmas really runs roughshod over any other religious observances in the later part of the year. I mean, Christmas is awesome. No doubt. I wouldn't have started a podcast about it if I didn't love it. But that awesomeness dominates our culture from November to December. And I really do feel for people who have to try to explain to their kids that that awesome holiday is not for them. They're like, oh, we get to reserve this solemn day instead. But enough of that soapbox. Back to the episode. You see, Ross tries to replace his son's yearly visit from Santa with Hanukkah stories and activities. And the kid is not having it. So at the last minute, he tries to rent a Santa suit. Of course, it's the last minute, so the store is all out of them. So what does he get? An armadillo costume and tries to pretend that he's one of Santa's helpers. Just as the kid is buying it and seems interested in hearing about Hanukkah, Chandler busts in dressed as Santa. After some classic Chandler antics, he convinces Ross's kid to sit down and listen to the armadillo tell the story about Hanukkah when Joey bursts in dressed as Superman. Boom, this episode had me right there. Pull my decorations off and leave me by the curb. I'm done. Could this episode be any more fun? 
Number two. The Runaway Bride, Doctor Who. I just want to get married. Come back to the TARDIS. No way. That box is too weird. It's bigger on the inside, that's all. Oh, that's all. Ten past three. I'm going to miss it. Are you phone them? Tell them where you are. How do I do that? You got a mobile? I'm in my wedding dress. It doesn't have pockets. Who has pockets? Have you ever seen a bride with pockets? When I went to my fitting at Shares Allison, the one thing I forgot to say was give me pockets! This man you're marrying, what's his name? Lance. Good luck, Lance. Oi! No stupid Martian is going to stop me from getting married to hell with you! I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not from Mars. This was a tough one. I knew I wanted a Doctor Who episode in this one, but there were so many to choose from. They could almost have their own list. Spoilers! They will in a future episode. I've already heard it. Don't ask how. It's a timey-wimey thing. So, I like the one where Matt Smith does a version of A Christmas Carol on another planet. I also like when Capaldi teamed up with Santa Claus. But my favorite Doctor is David Tennant, so I had to pick one of his. But he's barely in Christmas Invasion. Voyage of the Damned has a bit of a bummer ending, and End of Time rips both your hearts out. So, I went with the first appearance of the companion, Donna Noble, the Runaway Bride. And now here's the synopsis. Allons-y! Donna, a middle-aged woman who is on the verge of marrying her fiancé, Lance, finds herself transported into the TARDIS much to the shock of the obnoxious bride as well as the doctor who has just recently had to get over the departure of Rose Tyler. The Time Lord learns that Donna is in some way linked to an alien plot to destroy the planet Earth. There's robot Santas, a nest of giant spiders at the core of the Earth, and a spaceship that floats high above London that looks like a giant Christmas star. I actually really like this episode because I really like the character of Rose, and I was really sad when she was gone, and this is the first episode after she left, and in this episode we get to see that the doctor is sad too. But to counter that sadness, Catherine Tate's Donna Noble is very funny and a welcome addition to the show. Even though this was planned to be a one-off, I guess they liked her so much they brought her back for a full season the next year. Now, I have a difficult relationship with Doctor Who. It's a fun show, but it can be so depressing. That's why I picked this episode. Even though every Christmas episode of Doctor Who is kind of bittersweet, I feel this one was the lightest on the bitter and the heaviest on the sweet. Now, on to the honorable mentions. Honorable Honorable mentions. mentions! Gotta work on that jingle. So one honorable mention is The Strike from the show Seinfeld. Had to give a nod to the show that introduced the world to Festivus. Maybe we'll do an uh, airing of the grievances in a later episode. And then another honorable mention I have is Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh from South Park. Now, aside from the laughs, I always liked this episode for the message it was sending, very subversively. If you watch the context of the episode, they're saying Jesus is the important thing about Christmas, and all the other Christmas crap, I did quotation fingers just there, is just that. Clever. Did you ever notice that? Animated shows can be so clever. Which leads us to... Number one! Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, a.k.a. The Simpsons Christmas Special, The Simpsons. Ow! Quit it. Ow! Quit it. Ow! Quit it. Ow! Quit it. Hey, what's with this? Ow! Quit it. Used to be a real boss tattoo. But Mom had to spend all the Christmas money having it surgically removed. Christmas is canceled. No presents for anyone. No worry, Homer. We'll just have to stretch your Christmas bonus even further this year. Ah! Homer? Oh, yeah, my Christmas bonus. <laughs> How silly of me. This'll be the best Christmas yet. 
the best any family ever had. <laughs> the Simpsons have been on the air for longer than many of you have been alive. They've had many Christmas episodes over the years, and lots of them have been amazing. But you can't beat the one that started it all. Let's grab a synopsis. It's a not-so-merry Christmas for The Simpsons when Mr. Burns decides to cut the Christmas bonuses and Marge has to spend the family's Christmas savings to erase a tattoo Bart thought would make a great Christmas present. In order to hide the fact that he did not get his bonus, Homer takes a second job as a mall Santa. Now, this was the very first full episode of The Simpsons. What better way to start it off than with Christmas? Although, it's certainly a rough Christmas for their Simpson family. Homer doesn't have enough money for presents, so he takes a job as a mall Santa, only to have most of his check go to his costume rental. But then, he goes to the dog track to bet what little money he has, and the dog he bets on doesn't even finish the race. And just when things are looking bleakest, the losing dog is chased off by its owner and runs to Homer. So he's able to give the family a dog for Christmas. The best part? The dog's name is Santa's Little Helper. You gotta give The Simpsons the number one spot when a member of the family has a reference to Christmas in his name. For the rest of the series, Santa's Little Helper is always there every episode. Not every episode, but you know, he's almost always there. That's why I gave him the number one spot. And there you have it. So I know I miss a lot of great TV uh, Christmas episodes. My mom, just before I started recording, told me about this one Dick Van Dyke episode. I was like, oh, I forgot that, but I've already written this out. and I'm not going to change it. But there, there's a really cool Dick Van Dyke episode for Christmas. It's called Alan Brady Presents. And if you got Netflix streaming, it's on there. You can watch it right now. But if you've got favorites that you miss, please share your favorites with me in the comments at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. If I get enough responses, I might bring this topic back for another Five Golden Things list. So don't forget to share your faves at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now it's time for a brand new segment on the show. I'm an old guy now. I'm married. I'm a dad twice over. And I drive a minivan. But I wasn't always this way. I used to be a young whippersnapper. I was single, childless, putting around in a crappy little Mazda. So Tim from back then and Tim from right now have different priorities and even different opinions about a lot of things, including Christmas-related things. So... By comparing my views when I was younger versus now, it's a way to examine different sides of an issue. So I'm going to have a debate with my younger self in a segment I'm calling Christmas Past versus Christmas Future. Christmas Past versus Christmas Future. Hi, I'm old Tim. And I'm young Tim. And welcome to Christmas Past versus versus Christmas Christmas Future. Future. Tonight, Christmas trees. Should you get a real one or a fake one? Real. Fake. Real. Fake! Listen, little man, maybe when you're young and you don't have any responsibilities, you can traipse all over the city looking for a tree. But us big boys have things to do. We order the tree online, UPS delivers it like Santa in brown shorts, and boom. From then on, we only have to go as far as the garage to get the tree. Wow, that was quite the speech. Did you break a hip? Maybe if you put your glasses on and took a look at that plastic monstrosity sitting in your room, you'd realize that's not a Christmas tree. It's polyvinyl chloride in a tree shape that only exists because a toilet brush manufacturer in the 1930s decided to smoosh a bunch of brushes together and make a fake tree. Look it up! I did look it up, and the German tradition of a feather tree predates the toilet brush one. In fact, the first Christmas trees in America were fake ones. They were wooden pyramids that had evergreen branches attached to them. Now sure, real trees started to get more popular after that, but then people started to get concerned about deforestation. Who came to the rescue of the environment? Fake trees, kiddo! 
Don't try to play the environmental card, old man. That glob of plastic has a mighty big carbon footprint. First off, it was made in China and shipped all the way over here. Meanwhile, we've got Christmas tree farms right up the road, and those trees are growing all year long, providing oxygen. A real tree takes several years to mature, so while it's growing, animals can use it as a home. Plus, when it's time to get rid of the tree, you can use it for compost. Meanwhile, when you try to ditch that imposter tree, you can't recycle it. It's made of PVC plastic. That thing's gonna rot in a landfill until your Comedy Central special airs. I don't have a Comedy Central special. Exactly. Uncalled for, baby britches. Besides, if I keep this tree for more than nine Christmases, the environmental impact is pretty much the same as getting a real tree every year. Plus, I don't have to gamble on finding a good tree every year. I know there'll be no bald spots. It won't be crooked. It will look beautiful every year, and I can put it up anytime I want. Heck, I could just leave it up all year long if I wanted. You can't do that with a real tree. In less than a month, that thing will be completely brown, and it'll be dropping needles like Lindsay Lohan being chased by the cops. It's jokes like that that are putting your Comedy Central special out of your reach, Grandpa. Hey, I'm not a grandpa yet. But you are a dad. Don't you want to give your kids the same memories we have, going with Dad to a tree farm and cutting down your tree yourself? Oh, I do remember that. Oh, that was fun. But wait, I also remember assembling the aluminum tree with Mom. Oh, I forgot about that one. She would set up that color-changing spotlight on it so it would look like the tree was constantly changing colors. So I guess we had both a real tree and a fake tree growing up. And really, there are advantages to both. Like coming home to the smell of a real tree? There's nothing like that smell. No amount of scented candles can replace the smell of a genuine Christmas tree. Speaking of candles, at least with a fake tree, you don't have to worry about a candle accidentally turning your home into a blazing inferno in 29 seconds flat. Wait, did we just switch sides? I think we did. Maybe it's because there's no clear winner. That seems like a cop-out. Totally, but it's a Christmas cop-out. And a Christmas cop-out is the most magical cop-out of them all. Okay, let's run with that. Besides, if the listeners have a preference, they can go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and tell us in the comments. So get yourself a fake tree or a real tree. It doesn't matter. As long as you get the spirit of the season along with it, that tree did its job. So shouldn't I get back to the past before I cause some sort of temporal paradox that'll destroy the universe? Nah, it's more of a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing. I don't at all get that reference. You will, little buddy. You will. Anyway, I'm old Tim. And I'm young Tim. And this has been Christmas Past versus Christmas Christmas Future. Well, we didn't pick a winner in that last segment, but we'll definitely get one next as classic carols clash in Who Sang It Best? Last time it was Bruce Springsteen versus the Jackson 5 over the song Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Let's see how you guys voted. It was closer than our first round, but the Jackson 5 definitely came out on top. I have to say, I agree with the majority on this one. Not that I dislike the boss's version, but I find it too hard to sing along to for some reason. And I'm all about singing along to my Christmas carols, friends. Speaking of, let's get to tonight's showdown over a song that we'll all be singing along to sooner rather than later. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Okay, that's the song. Now, let's meet the contestants. Singer number one is a Canadian-born singer-songwriter who now makes his home in Italy. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for the Grammy Award-winning smooth vocal stylings of Michael Bublé. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again Candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store 
But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door Singer number two was an American icon of radio and TV Thanks to his hit variety show That's right, ladies and gentlemen It's the Emmy and Grammy Award Naturalist Sounds of Perry Como a pair of hop-along boots and a pistol that shoots Is the wish of Barney and Ben Dolls that'll talk and we'll go for a walk Is the hope for Janice and Jen And, and the mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Soon the bells will start and the thing that will make them ring is the carol that you sing right within your heart. Okay, it's up to you. Who sang it best, Como or Buble? You can place your vote at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com until October 20th. And come back to us on our next episode on October 25th to find out who sang it best. And that about does it for this episode. But remember, you've got a lot of homework to do before we meet again next month. You've got to go to iTunes.com and subscribe and then leave us a review. Please, please, pretty please. <laughs> then you got to go to the website and tell us what your favorite Christmas TV episodes were. Tell us if you prefer real or artificial Christmas trees and vote in our Who Sang It Best poll. You can do all of that at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And make sure you come back for the next show, which is dropping on October 25th, because not only are we going to have another fun show, but I'm running a contest. That's right. I got prizes that I want to give to you. I'm going to give you stuff. I'm like Santa Claus, but I'm not leaving my house. I'm going to let the mailman handle it. So that's coming up on the next show. Don't forget that. I've got to go run off to try and find some milk and cookies. But until the next time we meet, dear listeners, don't be afraid to let your Christmas freak flag fly and keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2015. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thanks for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes and give us a review while you're there. A five-star one sure would put you on the nice list this year. <laughs> if you have any comments on this or any episode, you can go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and leave them there. Or if you'd like to email Tim directly, his email address is tim at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Band, and Jingle Bells was performed by Kristen Nowicki. All additional music and other sounds are properties of their copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. All right, I can't think of anything else to add. How about you boys? God bless us, everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Is it actually MyMerryChristmas.com? I Google MyMerryChristmas.com, but I don't know that I've ever actually... Wait, my... Let's see. MyMerryChristmas.com. Yes, it's totally MyMerryChristmas.com. Don't doubt yourself, Tim. You know things. This month, I've got a... Alrighty. Page just jumped in the middle of me talking. Why would I want to be at the end? I was at the beginning. So if my slice of fruitcake wants a muff, 
Muffin wants a muff? Every, every so often you gotta get a muff. It's like a muffin, but, you know, you're in a hurry. Hey, man, can I get a blueberry muff? Now it's time we move on to my weekly... Nope, it's not weekly. Why do I keep writing weekly? Because I do another show. It's weekly. And by that, I mean W-E-A-K-L-E-Y. <laughs> Puns! This round of five golden things is courtesy of the wonderful world of television. Why do I sound like movie phone guy? This five golden things is rated R and is playing at five o'clock, 12.30, and 11.45. Those times were not in order. To prevent this problem, she presents Joey with a various... To prevent this problem, she prevents... To prevent this problem... But, got a contest in store for you. That's why you, that's why, uh, wabbit. And that about does it for this, and that about does it for this week's, and that about, and that about does it for this episode. Nailed it.